Good morning. It is great to see you all here in person, folks online. Thanks for joining us. And I am back. I'm back. It has been almost a month. Or I think it has been about a month since I've been gone. I missed you all. Um, parts of my time away were good. I had a wonderful vacation with my family. Great time together. Um, but not all good. Uh, all, right before Christmas, actually, my uh, father-in-law, Grandpa Bob, passed away. He died of COVID, and I'll tell you, uh, even with the hope of the resurrection, death sucks. Jesus wept. It is hard. We really were close to him, and we really miss him. It was uh, a, a really a pretty awful way to end a pretty awful year. Um, you know, icing on the poop cake that was 2024. Uh, and then, as uh, Becca alluded to, I got back in January, and I promptly got COVID myself. Um, and I was surprisingly sick, but I, thankfully, I'm testing negative now, so I don't need to wear a mask. Actually, my wife did not want to get sick, so she wouldn't let me out of the bedroom until I had two negative tests within 48 hours. Um, so I, did, I hardly even wore a mask this time because I couldn't get out of the bedroom. Um, but I'm here today. Now, I, I do want to say that um, when we lose people that we're close to in our lives, like parents, um, that grief can be brutal. And for me, I've been using some of the stuff that we talked about back in the fall with lament. You know, those lament tools, they really help. And you know, it's also a natural thing to do when you're in that kind of situation to think about your own life, your own mortality. We're all going to die. What's going to happen when we die? What's going to happen when I die? For me, and I bet I'm not the only one here, when I die, I want to see Jesus. I want to see his smile. I want to feel his warm embrace. I want to hear his words, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that what's going to happen when you die? Good and faithful servant. You know, last week, Brian talked about goodness, and today we're going to talk about faithfulness. And it turns out faithfulness is a big deal in the end. I've actually read to the end of the book, and um, sure, our sin messes up this world. It can be awful, a serious poop cake. And yet this war that's going on between good and evil, Jesus wins. He wins. They will wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of Lord and Kings of Kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Faithfulness is important. So what is faithfulness? Well, it's, it's being loyal, steadfast, true, right? It, it's, it takes integrity, being the same on the outside as we are on the inside. It's being there, keeping our commitments in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health. Faithfulness is being full of faith. It's keeping the faith. And we all know that faithfulness is good, Right? We, we want to be faithful. We know it's a good thing that it goes deep. It, it helps define who we are, our very identity. There's a cool image in A Man for All Seasons, in the play and in the, in the movie. It's where the hero, Sir Thomas More, he is explaining to his daughter why he won't recant. He won't, he won't break his promise. He'd rather be executed. And he says to her, when a man takes an oath, Meg, 
He's holding his own self in his own hands like water. And if he opens his fingers, then he needn't hope to find himself again. Some men aren't capable of this, but I'd be loath, but I'd be loath to think your father one of them. Yeah, none of us wants to be unfaithful. No. We, we want to be true. We, we, we don't want to let ourselves, our very identity go, slip through our fingers like water. But at some point, we discover we're not capable of being faithful. We're not always faithful. But thank God, Jesus is. Jesus is faithful. And hey, I don't say that in like a, hey, Jesus is faithful, we're not faithful, ha ha. No, I don't say it in that kind of sense. Like, yeah. No, I say it in the sense of we're not faithful on our own, but Jesus is. And we can be faithful too. We can. We can let Jesus' faithfulness change us, make us faithful too. That's where we're going today. That's where we're going today. But first... I want to take a minute and talk about this series of talks we're in. Seeing Jesus, a character worth having. How does that work? How, how do we become faithful? Well, it's not about trying harder. No, it's not trying harder. You know, some of us, maybe out of pride or fear, we could modify our behavior. For a while, we could act faithful. But it wouldn't last. Not unless there's a real heart change. It wouldn't keep going. Yeah, you know, this isn't about behavior modification. It's not about following rules, the law. That's why the Apostle Paul, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. He's saying the law is about behavior. It's about restraining our hearts, okay? But rules, they can't change our hearts. They can't make our hearts better. No. In the kingdom of God, in the Bible, real character change, real spiritual transformation is different. And Paul, he talks about how that works too. Like when he says, and we all, who with veiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, that's dense. But this is what we're doing here today. This is what this series is about. It's worth understanding this verse. So, Paul is saying that when we turn to Jesus, when we look at him, God makes it so that we can see him clearly unveiled. And when we contemplate Jesus's glory, when we set our hearts, our minds on him, think Colossians 3, the first few verses. When we set our minds, when we contemplate God, then, then we are transformed into his image. And that comes, that comes from Jesus. It comes from the Holy Spirit. That's their work in us. Do you see? In this series of talks, what we're doing is we're looking at stories in Jesus' life where he lived the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, faithfulness. We're, we're looking at those so we can see Jesus. We can contemplate his goodness, his image, his character. And we're doing it so we can be transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Yeah, as we see and experience Jesus' goodness, we're going to let the Holy Spirit 
make us like him. That's what we're doing. Again, you and I, we are not faithful on our own. But God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And we can be faithful too. If we let Jesus' faithfulness change us, make us faithful too. That's where we're going. So, grab a Bible, okay? Grab a Bible. Um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. It's page 695 on the bio, in the Bibles we have here. Uh, but first, let's pray. And then we'll get into this crazy good story where we see Jesus' faithfulness and we see the disciples are definitely not faithful. It's a great contrast. But again, first let's pray. God, I welcome you here and I ask for you to do that work in us today. You allow us to see Jesus clearly, to contemplate his faithfulness, to see his incredible beauty and glory. And Lord, change us as we experience that. Make us faithful too. Let that process start right here and then continue out into our ordinary, everyday lives. Lord, I pray that when people talk, when they think of folks who are part of the Duluth Vineyard community, you will change, have changed us to such a way that they'll go, wow, those people, they are so faithful, they are so loving, they are so good. Come and do your work in us, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Mark chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 32. Um, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And first, Jesus wants to pray. He wants to spend some time with his father. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Okay, in this powerful little story, we totally see the unfaithfulness of the disciples, of us. And we see the faithfulness of Jesus. So let's start here with the bad news. On our own, we're not faithful. Here, Jesus, three times he asks his disciples, hey, can you guys stay awake? Can you pray and can you wait? And three times they, you know, they nod, they give him the thumbs up. You got it, boss. And three times they fall fast asleep. Many of us, we, we know what it's like to not keep our promises, to be unfaithful. 
Maybe it's little things to a friend, a coworker. Maybe it's big things to a spouse or a business partner. And like us, the disciples, like many of us, the disciples had excuses here. They did. They're like, I mean, it's the middle of the night. They're super tired and they're stressed out and anxious, right? Jesus, they see him, he's distressed and troubled and it bothers them. And he's been saying all these crazy things about how he's gonna die and they will have sorrow. And Jesus, he's not acting like the kind of Messiah, Savior, King that he thought, that they thought that they wanted him to be. Yeah. They, they wanted to they wanted to do it when they gave him the thumbs up. They wanted to stay awake, but they couldn't. The spirit was willing, but the body was weak. Now, I got to say, that's no excuse for, I don't know, telling your friend secrets or stealing from work or cheating on your spouse, right? It doesn't make it okay. It's just an explanation. We're still responsible for our weak bodies. We are. Also, going in even deeper here, you, you know, the disciples, they weren't like these premeditated evil phonies. No, when, G, when, they, when Jesus asked them to stay awake, they thought they could. They thought they would, but they couldn't. I think that's like many of us, right? We, we think we can keep our commitments. We think we will be faithful. Yeah. How many of us here made New Year's resolutions? You made a promise to yourself. Anyone willing to admit it? Very few. How many of us have already broken our New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I, I know I have. Two days I did sit-ups, just two days. It's like at New Year's, we have this annual ritual of unfaithfulness, and we don't see it. <laughs> we fool ourselves in thinking, oh yeah, I'll make some New Year's resolutions, it might work this time. No, we don't see it. <sighs> Here, Jesus is in his hour of need, right? He needs friends to be there for him, to comfort him, and the disciples want to but they're so sleepy and they can't. And it's the same for us, right? Whatever it is for us, whether, whether we're sleepy or we're stressed or we're lonely or sad, you know, we make promises and we don't keep them. We cheat. We're unfaithful. And just like the disciples in verse 40, we don't even know what to say. We're unfaithful. Now, I know some of you, there's got to be some people out there thinking, okay, right, all right, I see this. Um, yeah, maybe I'm unfaithful to myself, the promises I make to myself, to other people, but I've never fallen asleep on Jesus. I'm not unfaithful to Jesus. Really? <laughs> Let's press into that a little, okay? Uh, first off, if, if we were faithful to Jesus, if we were his followers, at, at the start, you know, we, we would at least see, we would acknowledge who he really is that he is special, he is unique, he is the Son of God, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Are we faithful to Jesus as Lord? You know, a lot of us, we say, Jesus, you're, you can be my Lord, you're the boss of me. But then do we actually obey him? Do we do what he wants? Or in our lives, is there some other Lord I don't know, maybe it has something to do with sex or money or power. Some other Lord jumps up on the throne of our lives to rule. I don't know about you, but I've seen that happen in my life. There's times where I took my eyes off the beauty, the, the love of Jesus. When I was a younger man, you know, I had intense 
tense, quick moments of, of sinfulness. And then as I got older, it went deeper and it got more subtle because I really wanted Jesus to be Lord. But then I would look around my life and my job, my career was the boss of most of my life. What about you? How are we being faithful to Jesus as our Lord? Next, the Apostle Paul, he writes this about faithfulness. This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Faithful. So you get this? If we know the truth about Jesus, if we, if we actually know who he is and what he did, we got something big. We hold this thing that is big, that we've been entrusted with this mystery. This truth has been revealed to us. What are we doing with it? Are we faithful stewards of the gospel? Well, if we were, first off, I think we would actually live like this thing is true that's been entrusted to us. And we would tell other people about it. We would. We, we would share the good news about Jesus. We would invite people to church. We would tell them that there is nothing better, nothing more beautiful, nothing more lovely than Jesus. So, how are we living like this is true? How are we sharing the good news about Jesus? How are we being faithful stewards of the gospel? Next, Jesus talks about faithfulness to the church at Pergamum. Yet, you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even the, in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was, put to, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Okay, we don't talk enough about the faithfulness of the martyrs, but it is a big theme throughout the Bible. Now, Few of us here in America, in the Midwest, are going to be put to death because of Jesus. And because of that, it is easy for us to miss the big picture when it comes to faithfulness. It is. You know, Jesus' early disciples, his first followers, right, they may have been clueless fools, right? They may, they may not have got it. They may have fallen asleep on him. But I will tell you, these men and women who Jesus taught and trained, that, that got to spend time with him, something happened in them. They were all in, all in, all the way to the point of death. They gave their whole lives to Jesus. What about us? Are we all in? Are we all in our entire lives? Or are we in, you know, for part of our lives? I mean, going to church on Sunday. We're in, but yet there's this maybe secret sin over here, this secret selfishness. Or maybe it's not secret at all, right? We have this entire part of our lives, like maybe politics, or social media usage that is completely separate from what Jesus wants from a relationship with him. The martyrs, they were all in. They gave their whole lives. What about us? Okay, I don't know about you, but this part of the talk is uncomfortable for me. Um, it's the bad news, right? 
We have to see that we are unfaithful. But now it's time for some good news, some beautiful news. Jesus is faithful. He is. We see it in this little story, his faithfulness, right? Jesus saying, not my will, but your will be done. And we need a little context, a little background to really see this. So let's go back, like way, way back. Jesus is talking to the Father. I I think this conversation probably happened before the universe was even created. And they're talking about the world. And Jesus says to his Father, yep, I'll go. I will go and rescue them. I will die for them. I will pay the price for them. Jesus says he's in. Now, here in the garden, he's being true to the rescue mission. He's being true to his commitment, his promise to do that. Now, we, we need to see that, that commi- being true to that commitment, it is like the best example of faithfulness ever. It is so deep and powerful. Now, I think we know, right, that what's going to happen, Jesus is going to the cross. He is going to suffer and die. The blood, the horror, the, 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 the pain of it boggles our mind, the physical pain. And yet, there have been martyrs throughout history that have died horrible deaths. Horrible deaths. I mean, there, there's a cool example of Polycarp. He was the bishop of Smyrna, and they put him on trial. They, they threatened to burn him at the stake, and this is what Polycarp says. You threaten me with fire that burns for a short time and is soon quenched. You don't know about the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment that awaits the wicked. But why are you waiting? Come, do what you will. And they did. They burned him to death. Lots of martyrs throughout history, like Polycarp, they have faced certain death with confidence and and courage and calm with peace on their faces. And here we have the garden. And Jesus, he is deeply distressed and troubled. He's like, if this is possible, can I get out of this deal? Right? Can this cup pass from me? Hey, this isn't because Jesus is some kind of wimp. No, 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 no. This is because what Jesus faces is the worst thing ever, right? We need to see the depth of his commitment. We need to see that his faithfulness required more than anyone has ever given to be faithful. Now, I got to quickly say, there's no way we can do justice, that I can do justice this this today, right? You could spend a lifetime meditating on the cross, Jesus' sacrifice, his love, his goodness and faithfulness on the cross, and you'd never get to the depth of it, the bottom of it, ever. So today, I'm just going to give us three words out of the passage that give us a glimpse, that help us see what's really going on, the truth that's happening here, okay, with Jesus' faithfulness. So, first word, cup. Verse 36, Jesus asks, take this cup from me. And the cup back then, it was a metaphor. It's an Old Testament metaphor for the wrath of God against sin. Now, today, it's not super popular to talk about the wrath of God. No. But I got to point out, it actually is super good to get angry, to get outraged at evil. God is loving when he insists on justice. And, you know, God's wrath, his justice, they're not vengeful and cruel. They are fair. 
If anything, God just gives us what we want. If we want to go it alone, if we're like, God, I don't need you in my life. Nope, I don't want you. God eventually will give us exactly what we want forever to infinity. If you think about it, our sin, whether it's holding grudges, telling lies, it, our sin always cuts us off. It cuts us off from other people. It cuts us off from God. When we sin, we're telling God, get out of my life. When we sin, we're telling him, get out of my life. And God is just and fair, and he will. He will respect our free will and give us what we want. That's why the ultimate punishment for sin is eternal separation from God. Eternal separation from him. Polycarp, the other martyrs, they didn't face that. In fact, they faced quite the opposite. When they went to their death, they looked God in the face. They saw God's loving face. They moved towards his loving embrace. Not Jesus. <laughs> no. Jesus' death, what he's going to suffer is like a million. It's like an infinity times worse because Jesus pays the price for our sins. And I got to tell you, I don't know exactly how this works. I don't think anyone really does. But when Jesus goes to the cross, he pays the price for our sins. And the price for our sins, remember, it is eternal separation from God. Somehow, Jesus experiences that. On the cross, God turns his back on Jesus. The Father turns his back on Jesus. And Jesus cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, are you starting to see a little of the depth of Jesus' faithfulness? Next word, Abba. Verse 36, Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, he is crying out to his daddy, his papa. Nobody has a closer, a more intimate relationship with the Father than Jesus. For all of eternity, they have been united in love. Just try to picture that kind of relationship. Crazy. Jesus, because he was God, could live a perfect life. He could endure hell for us. But notice, that strength is a double-edged sword. Jesus rescued us. He did. But the price of that rescue, eternal separation from God, that price of that rescue is infinitely worse for Jesus because the father who turns his back on him is his Abba, his Papa. Let that sink in. What happened to Jesus on the cross? I, I don't think you and I we will ever really understand how much Jesus suffered. The depth of his pain, how it hurt his soul. Are we starting to see the depth of Jesus' faithfulness? Third word, began. In verse 33, he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Now, smart Bible folks, they have uh, debated what exactly happened in the garden, right? What's going on there? I mean, we can see Jesus goes to the garden because he's headed to the cross and he wants to spend time with his father. He wants to turn to his father for comfort and for, for assurance. And, and what it looks like happens is as Jesus turns to the father, as he turns to heaven, what Jesus actually gets 
is hell. He gets a preview of this separation, this cutoff from God. And Jesus freaks, right? He is deeply distressed and troubled. Now, it makes total sense that a loving father would set this cup down in front of Jesus so he can decide whether to drink it, right? No one takes his life from him. Jesus lays it down. Jesus has the choice whether or not to say, to say, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will, but your will be done. See, J Jesus isn't fooled into this, right? He, he doesn't, he's not unintentionally faithful, right? He counts the cost and he chooses to be true to the rescue mission, to be faithful to his promise. And why? Why does Jesus drink that cup? Why does the father do this? I mean, if you think of it, it's, it's bad for the father too, right? Have you, have you ever sat with someone you loved and watched them suffer and die? It is horrible. Why would Jesus, why would the father, why would God drink this horrific cup? Love. Love. We haven't even scratched the surface of God's love for us. It is so beautiful. It is like no other love there is. All right. So, we saw how on our own, we're not faithful. We see here how Jesus is incredibly faithful. Now, let's, let's let him change us. Let's let his faithfulness change us, make us faithful too. We, we've spoken we spent a good time here looking at Jesus' faithfulness. Like it said in 2 Corinthians, we've been doing that. We have contemplated the Lord's glory, okay? Now, let's let God, let's let him begin, let's let him take us and let's let him begin being, let's let him being for us so that we can be transformed, okay? Into the image, his image with ever-increasing glory. We're gonna do now what's in Verse, this verse in 2 Corinthians. We've contemplated his glory. Now we're opening ourselves up to being transformed. And that is the work that God does. It's the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So come now, Holy Spirit. Come and do that work in us. So, how do we partner with him in doing that? I think one important fact here is that we don't just um, contemplate, we don't just see Jesus' faithfulness like in general, in the abstract. We need to see his faithfulness for us, for you, for me, for us. And so to do that, I wanna look at some really practical ways where that, where that plays out in our lives. First, uh, faithfulness in prayer. Faithfulness in prayer. Jesus, no matter what happens in his life, he turns to the Father in prayer. He always goes to God. Even on the cross, when, he's, when God turns it, he turns to the Father in prayer. Even when the Father turns his back on him. I want to live like that. I want to always go to God in prayer. But I don't. As humans, we can't on our own. First, I need to see that I can go to the Father. I can when I turn to God, he's there. I get heaven, right? He, he, God listens to me. Why? Because he ignored Jesus. Because he turned his back on Jesus. I, when I pray, I get heaven because Jesus got hell. 
for me. He did it for me. Another example, faithfulness and obedience. Right? Jesus lived a perfect life, complete obedience. How about we try that? Who am I kidding? We can't do that. We can't. We're not always obedient. We don't always do what God wants. We don't. <laughs> but how God's promising that to us, to change us. First, we need to see something. It's this crazy thing that a miracle has happened. Our sin, our disobedience, it should cut us off from God. We should be completely cut off from God. But you know we're not. We're not. God is accessible to us now in this very moment. Why? Because Jesus was completely obedient and he was treated like he was disobedient so that we can be credited with his obedience. And it is thankfulness for that gift to us. We were disobedient and we get his obedience. It is mind-boggling. It is thankfulness that he suffered and did what he did for us to give us that. That's what actually motivates our obedience. We need to let that sink in. He did it for us. For us. Okay, one more. Faithfulness in love. Jesus always loves you. He always loves me. We don't always love him. And you know, we can't. We won't until we see that what he did on the cross, he did for us. We, we need to be sure. We need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus, he would have died, right? He, he, would, have, he would have gone to the cross. He would have experienced hell in our place. He would have taken on that infinite amount of suffering just for me, just for you, just for you alone. He would have done it. We need to see that this thing is personal. It's for you all right, Jesus is this incredible example of faithfulness. He is. And I know uh, there will be a few of us here. Well, what we'll do is we'll see that example and we will try harder. We will. We, we will work at it, whether we're motivated by pride or fear or whatever. We will try. We will try to be faithful like Jesus. And we will fail. You can count on it. We'll fail. What we're talking about today is different. It is so different. What it is, is seeing Jesus' faithfulness and letting it get personal, letting it go into your heart, letting, letting you see that that faithfulness is for me. That goodness, that love, that sacrifice, it was all for me. That changes our hearts. Yeah, on our own, we're not faithful. <laughs> We're not, but Jesus is faithful and we can be faithful too. We can let his faithfulness change us. Make us faithful too. Let's press into that even farther. We're going to go into ministry time here. We're going to let God work in us, speak to us personally. I'm going to invite you all to stand up at home, watching online. Get yourself comfortable for listening to God and speaking to him. So God, I, I welcome you here even more. Come in this room and do this work that Paul describes. As we see Jesus... 
Lord, and I want to ask Holy Spirit, get all the boundary, all the barriers, all the things in the way for us to see Jesus clearly, unveiled, that we would see the truth about him, his incredible faithfulness, that we'd see the depths of that faithfulness, what he had to do to keep his promise. It is mind-boggling. We'll never really understand it, but Lord, let that go deep into our hearts and our souls. How faithful Jesus was faithful to us. And Lord, Holy Spirit, come and change our hearts. Let that grow faithfulness in us. Faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to Jesus as Lord. Faithfulness as stewards of the gospel. Faithfulness to be all in. Lord, come and do that work in us. And God, we shouldn't kid ourselves. We're here, this is a finite time where we're trying to experience this and be changed and then we will leave, we'll leave this room, the folks online will stop watching and we will go out into the ordinary world, the real world. And that's where this counts. And God, I thank you that you will meet us there. So this work that you're doing in us this morning, take it into the world. Take it into our ordinary lives. That's where we get the opportunities to be faithful to each other and to be faithful to you. Holy Spirit, come and help us to see those opportunities and to seize them, to take advantage of them, to be true and loyal and steadfast. And Jesus, I know that this work that you're doing, changing our hearts, there will be places where we do it. We actually stay true. And then there will be times when we don't. And God, when we get out into the, ordinary, the normal world, the real world, and we fail, help us not to give up. Help us simply to turn back to you. And not to try harder, but to take time Maybe it's time in prayer. Maybe it's time reading our Bibles. Maybe it's time meditating on your faithfulness. God, remind us that we can keep coming back to that, that we can keep being filled up by your goodness that will change us. God, I ask for real dramatic changes in our lives, that places where we've been going to our secret sins, where we haven't been faithful to you as Lord, you will bring real change. And we will be a people that is faithful like our leader, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Hey, I, uh, I want to invite the ministry team to come forward. And they're going to lead us in some more worship here, but we're not done yet. Um, if God is stirring something in you, maybe you, you, you feel like, I'm not sure I'm seeing Jesus' faithfulness clearly. Or maybe you are f seeing it and you're like, oh, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to press into this. Maybe you're, you're, you're seeing your unfaithfulness and you want to confess that and move past it. Come forward and let someone pray for you. Maybe you're excited about what God is stirring up in you and how, how you can live differently because of what he did. Not through trying harder, but by experiencing him. And you want more of that. Come up. Let someone pray for you. If there's anything in your life that you need prayer for, if you're suffering 
physically, you need physical healing, if you've got problems in relationships or finances, we'd love to pray for you today. We'd love to connect you more to Jesus, particularly if you need to feel his goodness and his faithfulness in your life. Like I said, they're going to lead us in some more worship, and I'm just going to invite you to slow down and meet with God. Receive what he has for you today. Thank you so much for coming to the vineyard.